We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike Sielski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. We're endeavoring to reach Seth Wickersham of ESPN, who we wanted to uh, have come on and talk about. Uh, both the game uh, coming up, the Super Bowl coming up, and Tom Brady. Meanwhile, let's uh, talk to our friend Gary up in Boston. Are they in mourning up there, Gary? Are they, uh, they, is the city able to awaken today? I know there was minus three there yesterday. My son told me that. It is so cold yeah. that I have a gator on in my uh, living room and a, and a hat. So wow. That's how cold it is. Here. Oh, there you go. My son actually went skiing yesterday for some reason. when it was. He said it was minus 13 at the uh, base of the mountain. But nonetheless... Uh, what, how are they feeling up there right now about the Brady thing? Uh, well, I think when you talk about, you know, where were you when Tom Brady, you know, retired, I remember where I was when I heard the insane news that he was going to get $375 million. <laughs> yeah. And I think, what kind of crazy mixed-up world am I living in? I, I mean, the guy's a stiff up here. I mean, it's not as far as being a quarterback, but he's tried commercials. He's terrible in interviews. He's in that crazy movie that, you know, 80s for Brady's. I oh, mean, the, I the heard, I saw a review for Kansas. that movie yesterday. Man, that movie got roasted, like being one of the worst movies of the last decade. And yes, he. if you remember uh, Brett Favre's brief acting career in Something About Mary, I am told that he makes Brett Favre look animated. Yeah, I, I just don't get it at all. <laughs> and uh, I, it's going to be funny to watch. I, I can't wait to watch uh, the games he analyzes because I can't see him doing anything other than just going crazy and over-preparing and trying to make up for his lack of personality. Yep. I Listen, I you can be great at, at something, and it doesn't make you a great broadcaster. Obviously, the, they'll coach the heck out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brings great knowledge to the game. But that doesn't mean he's going to be good at it. So what do you think about next Sunday? You know, this is the first. got to realize I'm still in a recovery group for the 64 Phillies. Yep. So I have never been uh, optimistic. Always cautiously so, but never optimistic. I'm confident. This is the first time in my life, even two games ago with the Giants, I was not confident. Uh, and last week I wasn't confident. You know, I was optimistic. I thought they were going to win, but there was still this part of me that was holding back. I got no holding back now. I got it, pal. Uh, I, I hear it, yeah. and it's a it's the, uh, feeling shared by many. The look, the, the look to the sky for the falling safe. Hey, yes. speaking of Tom Brady. Yes. With White to his right, Brady back again. He stepped up, he's hit, and falls forward. 
He fumbled and he it. fumbles the football and the Eagles have it. It is recovered by Barnett. Brady fumbles and Barnett has the ball. They finally the hit Brady. Well, that's our favorite Tom Brady play of all time. <laughs> I don't know that our next guest uh, sees it the same way. Seth Wickersham is a senior writer at ESPN. He is the author of It's Better to Be Feared, the New England Patriots Dynasty, and the Pursuit of Greatness. By the way, uh, Sports Illustrated Nonfiction Book of the Year, New York Times bestseller, National Sports Media Association Book of the Year. Not bad. It is an awesome book. Uh, Seth is a good friend. Seth, thanks for coming on with us, man. My pleasure. You know, it was funny. I um, I was watching. I was flipping through the channels this morning because that's what I still do, and um, uh, that game was on NFL Network. Yeah. And I was trying to think, like, you know, was it a Tom Brady tribute because he threw for like one thousand four hundred yards in that game, <laughs> or was it, uh, you know, a Philly tribute because? They came up with the one stop that they needed to. I couldn't quite figure it out. Maybe both? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we were watching and celebrating as well. Well, well you were celebrating. Well, I was we I was watching and remembering being on deadline. So, <laughs> Seth, you and I were sitting in Lincoln Financial Field. That's a, wait, wait, wait. Really quick. That's a yeah. good – by the way, that's a good story. Like, how many Tom Brady games have hosed writers on deadline? <laughs> <laughs> like, now that's an angle that I should have pursued with my book. It yeah. would have been a lot easier to report. You could have done a whole chapter just, you know, Tom Curran could have been your source for the entire chapter so you and i were sitting in the press box at lincoln financial field before the nfc championship game last week and i think i can say this now you said tom's going to retire and then a couple of days later he did exactly that and and you wrote a a brilliant piece for espn.com kind of putting his entire career in context brady is viewed i think around here with both a lot of respect and a lot of disdain because he was such a great player and cost the Eagles a Super Bowl years ago and all of these things, kind of sum him up for us, put him in perspective with respect to other quarterbacks who have who have been great. You know, this is something I know you study quite a bit. Where does he yeah. stack up compared to the Montanas, the Unitases, the Namaths, the Marinos, name your, name your guy? Yeah, it's hard to... Um... It's hard to compare eras, right? I mean, I think that, like, it's it's a cop-out, but it's also true. But I do think that, you know, when you look back at Brady's career, he developed into the answer for everything. (laughs) You know, I think that, like, before he retired, you know, you'd say, well, who do you want in a Super Bowl? Joe Montana. Or, you know, before he came onto the Mm -hmm. scene, who do you want in a Super Bowl? Joe Montana. Who do you want with two minutes left? John Elway. Who do you, you know, it's like... You'd think of all these kind of subcategories. But at this point, when he retired, he was the answer to every question. Who would you want in a Super Bowl? Who would you want down 25 points in a Super Bowl? Who would you want on third and 15? Who would you want on fourth and 10? I mean, I think that, like, one, you know, unremarkable throw at a time, he's put together a career that it's going to take a long time and a lot of luck for anybody to ever surpass. And, um, you know, I think that the way that Philadelphia views him is the way that he's viewed at large around the country. And that's like, it's just hard not to respect what he's done. Yeah. Although in this town, it's 
we beat him, which will always be part of the of the luster well, here. Well, it's funny, right? He played he played better in the game that Philadelphia beat him than he played in the game that the Eagles lost. In, in again, <laughs> here in Philadelphia, that I mean, my feeling has always been. I think it's a lot of people. That's the one that got away. That was the one where the Patriots and Brady didn't bring their A game, and the Eagles blew it. Uh, so we don't talk about that one. Um, <laughs> what um, what were his options uh, in the NFL? You know, there's a lot of talk. Oh, San Francisco really wants him. He could go here. He could go there. What were the options if he decided to stay? Well, okay, so I think that, like, if you're just looking from a purely work standpoint, I think his options were, you know, he he's kind of reached this interesting stature in the sense that he answers to really to nobody at this point. I mean, he answers only to himself, and he could have figured out a way to call whatever terms he wanted for whatever team he wanted to go to. And I think that, like, that in itself is pretty amazing. So obviously, like, I think that, you know, if he, if he had wanted to go to San Francisco, they would have had to make a pretty hard decision. And my gut tells me they probably would have taken him if he wanted to go to Vegas. Um, even if, like, you know, he decided to pull, you know, say, what if he went to Robert Kraft and was like, I want to be a New England Patriot my last year? Mm. That's a pretty hard decision for them. But when you look at the sum of his life and where he is, I think his options were very limited. And I think that that's why, you know, Mike, you and I were talking about it. I said, like, look, I think he's either going to return to Tampa or he's going to retire. And I think he's probably going to retire at the end of the day. And I think that because of the fact that he's a divorced dad now, his life is different. He'll be 46 when the season starts. And that's a lot of time that he's spent away from being, you know, the type of parent that he wants to be. And he's talked about it publicly. He has talked about it publicly where he said, you know, I haven't been as good of a dad as my dad has been to me. And I think that that's something that really weighed on him, especially this year when, you know, his personal life was a mess. And, you know, his marriage ended in a way that he didn't anticipate it ending. And I think that nobody ever knows why a couple gets divorced, but I think that the cost of his life has been something that he's been public about and his ex-wife has been public about. And so I think that when you really looked at the context of his life, his kids living in, in Miami, I think that that's the, you know, two of his kids living in Miami, I think that's the reason why um, his options were really limited to Tampa or to Miami or to retire. And I think that that's one of the reasons why, the main reason why you see him walk away. So he retires uh, the week before, or less than two weeks, I should say, before the Super Bowl. And it's symbolic in a sense that you could look at it as a torch passing, uh, particularly because you have a Super Bowl now where that's going to feature the guy who by consensus is the best quarterback in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes and another quarterback in Jalen Hurts who may or may not be part of this next wave of young, terrific quarterbacks who are coming in. I'm curious your perspective on Hurts as somebody who pays a lot of attention to the position, is plugged in around the league. What are your thoughts on... Jalen Hurts, both how he has played this season and what his future is going to be in the NFL, and I suppose with the Eagles. I mean, I, it's it's as close to an ideal start as you would want, especially um, you know for a quarterback coming in the second round, where there's obviously expectations, but it's a little under the radar. It's not the, quite the same as being you know the top overall pick or whatever it is, but it's like they've 
he's figured out a way to get better, and they figured out a way to deploy him as best possible. Now, I do think that, like, the way that his career is going, I don't think that you want to expose him to injury as much. And, you know, we were both in the same press box last weekend wondering why they're running him yeah. when the game is so clearly decided. There's no chance San Francisco is going to make this thing competitive. Why are you even taking the chance running him? It reminds me a little bit of like when you watch Josh Allen, right? I mean, this guy does spectacular things, and then you see him put in situations where he could be injured that are so easily avoidable. So I think that, like, with Hurts, what we've seen right now is that, like, clearly, clearly it was a terrific pick by Howie. He came into a perfect situation where, you know, the staff has figured out a way to deploy his assets as good as possible, and I think that he's going to get better. I mean, he has the perfect mentality for a quarterback to get better, and, you know, at this point, the things that will hamper him are either – he loses a will to be great, which I don't see that happening. He gets injured, which could happen, or he um, suffers from coaching staff turnover, and you know that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Seth Wickersham is our guest, senior writer at ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at Seth Wickersham. So, Seth, it's a very um, unusual and a bit uncomfortable situation in Philadelphia, in which this town is never comfortable being the favorite we're, we're yeah. it's an underdog town now mike said earlier this, we embrace to be a little they like a little bit of angst yeah you know? oh yeah embrace rocky and dog masks yeah. and the whole thing uh the, the eagles are favored a point point and a half whatever it is right now two points um should the eagles be favored next sunday i don't know i mean look i have certainly i have people on twitter who are like how can you keep picking against the eagles every week which I had because I kept thinking like at some point this kind of fairy tale was going to be exposed. But then I'm sort of like, well, why do you, you know, don't you want me to keep picking against them? <laughs> <laughs> like if they keep winning, but um, uh, look, they were the best team during the, you know, through what is it? 19 weeks right now, they've been the best team. And um, you know, it doesn't mean that they're going to be the best team on Super Bowl Sunday, but I think that, like, they've earned the right to be favored in the Super Bowl because of the way that they've played during the playoffs and during the regular season. The weird thing about Super Bowls, as you guys know, is that they just they never go according to plan. Like, there's just always um, things that happen during the game mm-hmm. that are random, that are, you know, can't really be explained and are just kind of part of life, but it always ends up happening. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because the game ends up lasting, you know, seven and a half hours or whatever (laughs) it might be. But, like, there's always things that happen that are inexplicable. And how does a team react to that? And that's the main question I have for the the Eagles. It's just that, like, the the Chiefs are a battle-tested team, and they're not going to panic when things go against against the way they want it to go. But or when they're surprised by anything. But that said, I mean, the Eagles are sort of built to withstand this. You know, I mean, I just think that, like, the way that they're built up front, um, you know, the, the offensive lines and defensive lines travel well when they're great. And I think that, like, that's probably why. It's just because, you know, look, they've been the best team in the NFL the entire season. It doesn't mean they, they're, they're clearly the best team. But they have been the best team, and I think that's why you know you see them as a point and a half favorite. Which, let's face it, is essentially a toss-up. Seth, what did you know about Nick Sirianni when he got hired by the Eagles, and kind of 
how has, if at all, your opinion of him changed over the last couple of years? I didn't know much about him. And, you know, I talked to some people in the Colts who were really thrilled for him, who liked him personally and felt like that he was going to do a really good job. I mean, like, I obviously, you know, having studied the Patriots, was thinking that Josh McDaniels, you know, would be a great get the second time around no matter what. Now, I didn't know whether he was going to mesh with Howie too well. Um, but, you know, when, when, when that ended up not working out pretty quickly, I thought that maybe the Eagles had not landed the best coach that they possibly could. But I think that, like, clearly Coach Sirianni has not only proven to be, um, you know, a terrific head coach in the NFL, but he's also he's coached within his personality. I mean, that team feels like it's an extension of the things that he values. And I think that that's hard. And I think that maybe, again, it's because I've, I've been sort of like my had my head in New England Patriots land forever. It's hard for a lot of those guys to, you know, coach within their own personality and not just be extensions of what it is they think Bill Belichick should be doing or saying at any given time um, because he's just such a powerful cultural and, and, and um, uh, you know, football force um, mm-hmm. and presence. But, like, I, I think that, like, that's what's impressed me most about Coach Sirianni is just that, like, here's a guy who came into, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a difficult situation. You're replacing a guy who won a Super Bowl and, um, you know, has figured out a way to coach that team in a way that reflects the things that he values. It's a smart and a tough team. And, um, you know, I, I, that's, that's harder than people realize, I think. It, you know, you see, like, look at Matt LaFleur. For instance. Yeah. Like, I'm not picking on Matt, but it's like, what do the Packers, what are the Packers that, that are a reflection of the things that he values? I don't know if you can really tell, like, you know, what, what it is exactly. It's not to say that he's not a really good coach because he's won a ton of games, but it's like, you know, are, is that team him? And are we seeing the things that he values played out on the field um, on both Sundays? I think that, like, you know, with Coach Sirianni, I think that, like, that team's loose in a way, um, but also tough and paying attention to details in a way that I think that, like, again, reflects him. Yeah, I, uh, and, and shockingly, we weren't so sure of him when they first hired him. Uh, yeah. Last question for me, Nick. Uh, two-parter. Seth. Seth, excuse me. Jesus, I'm sorry. That's Seth. okay. It's okay. I, uh, you know, He's I, been I, called worse. I'll take that as a I'll take it as a compliment. Uh, I, I, know that I actually they just this, had Nick. This, as we're talking, Nick Bosa just had a sack. They're replaying that Super Bowl, and I'm looking at Nick Bosa. Seth, last question for me, two parter. Uh, if the Eagles win, it will be because of this. If the Chiefs win, it will be because of that. Um, if the Eagles win, it will be because their pass rush completely destroys Kansas City's offensive line. And if the Chiefs win, if the Chiefs win, I think it's because they'll figure out a way to get explosive plays on offense um, against the Eagles' defense. I mean, I think that, like, look, the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball against the Chiefs. I think that, like, um, you know, I, I think that they'll be able to put up some points. I don't think they're going to put up like 45 points, but I think they're going to be able to, you know, score some points on the Chiefs. And I think that, like, we think of the Chiefs as an explosive offense because of Tyreek Hill, but really. You know they're not. They're kind of a ball control type of offense, and I think that like that plays into the Eagles' hands. But I do think if they can figure out a way to manufacture explosive plays, um, that will be a you know a difference maker. But in the same sense, if like the the Eagles do what they've done 
all year long, which is dominate up front, I think it's going to be pretty difficult. How much does the uh, – last one for me, Seth. How much uh, does the ankle injury affect Mahomes and impact the game, do you think, from what you've seen of him so far? I mean, I think that it impacts things, but I don't think that – it's the same thing with Hurts' shoulder. It's like, you know, I don't know if it totally impacts things until all of a sudden it does. Like if someone rolls on it, if Hurts is hit on that shoulder or is driven into the ground on it, you know, then I think those injuries can become a key difference. But I do think that, like – you know, we saw what Patrick did last week, just gutting out an amazing win um, against Cincinnati and relying on that ankle for some of the most, you know, decisive plays of the game. I think that with a little bit of time off, you know, he'll be ready to go. Yeah. That le- the last play, the roughing play. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he, that was impressive. It was. Uh, Seth Wickersham, follow him on Twitter at Seth Wickersham ESPN. Thank you so much for uh, joining us, man. My pleasure, guys. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, care. Seth. There you go. This is Nick. I can't get that. I tried. Nick, are you with us? Hello, Nick. Orange. Nick is... I can't get it off. Not ready. No, okay. no. That's okay. We'll Nick, get, Nick's we'll having some there. issues with somebody there, it that's sounds okay. like. Well, he was that. He was... That's okay. I went to him kind of suddenly. Uh, and thanks to Seth Wickersham. Um... All right. Was, you should read Seth's book. Anybody who listened to that interview, if you want to understand Tom Brady, you should read Seth's book. I'll read his next book. Okay. You don't want to understand Tom Brady? What's your nah, problem? I, this, but, is, no, 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 this is listen, Nick. I, Nick, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Today. Yeah, we're, we're discussing our projects for the weekend. We have I got it. Coming over no problem. Tuesday. Here's my thing. I have no love for Tom Brady. I don't have any hate. I don't want him to, you know, God forbid. I, don't, I have no ill you will. You don't wish him, ill will. I got it. Right. But I have no empathy and no sympathy as a human for this dude. And now he's going to roll my one game a week for me? As a broadcaster, seriously? Do you think the rest of the country feels the way we do, or do we feel this way because of Super Bowl Thirty Nine and because he wouldn't shake Nick Foles' hand? I got Nicks everywhere. Yeah, because he wouldn't shake Nick. It's raining Nicks. Right? Right. Do we? Do we? Like in San Diego, where they don't even have a team. In Denver, in Miami, do they feel this way about Brady? I think we have more hate in a geographical area than, than a lot of other places that aren't aren't related to New England and, and Philly. But in grand scheme, I think 75% of the country can't stand New England, the dynasty. Look, everybody accepts they cheated at least two Super Bowls. Like, everybody accepts that. The league kind of hides it, and, you know, NFL, no, that didn't happen. It, it happened. We know this. So but uh, here's, here's my last thing about ahead, broadcasting. Like, I, I, feel, I feel for Greg Olson because – you know, I, I I can't stand Tom Brady, so I have more empathy for him, for Craig Olson and Tom Brady. But he ruined that last broadcast with Burkhart. Like, how, how did he so do many, that? Well, it seemed like there were so many important. Like, I saw the injury. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was an injury to Purdy, but I saw right away how how impactful that play was. And they kind of went to commercial and forgot about it until they saw people on the sideline. They didn't even bring that play up until until what? they. Yeah. Well, I, Nick, first of all, thank you so much for the call. I think this, the key solution here is to have you be the analyst from now on because you picked up on it right away. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, mean, I, 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 think, I think Olsen is really good. And, I do too. And number two, listen to Greg Olson analyze the game, then listen to Tony Romo and tell me how bad Greg Olson is because Greg Olson is incredible next to Tony Romo. Tony Romo's terrible. Uh, no disagreement. All right, coming up, 
Ooh, Mike and I both stumbled upon what we think are terrific TV shows this week. We will give that to you, and we'll take your calls, 215-592-9494. Ray Didinger joining us at noon. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.